Welcome to Ebenezer Baptist Church on Sunday, January 20th, 2013. Today's message is titled, Everyday Courage, by Pastor Ryan Cochran, and it's based on scripture, Ruth, chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. Let's pray together. Lord, we pray today that this story of Ruth and her courage and her kindness, Lord, would speak into our lives and by your Spirit make us to be courageous and kind. In Jesus' name, amen. May the Lord be with you. I want you to think for a moment uh, about some of the, the classic biblical stories that are, are kind of emblazoned in your imagination. Some of those classic stories that really hold your attention. Maybe it was uh, the stories that you heard when you were in Sunday school. I know I have a few different kind of Sunday school moments where I heard a story, and that story just sticks in my mind. Uh, stories about David and Goliath. Uh, stories of Daniel in the lion's den and Noah in the ark. Story about Abraham being obedient to God, even to the point where he was willing to sacrifice his son Isaac on the altar. Story of Esther and how she saved her people from tragedy. Story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Did I say that right, Trudy? Trudy always makes fun of me for how I say Abednego, so I don't know if I said it right or not, but hopefully that was right. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the fiery furnace. These are stories that have captured our imagination, and they're stories that we tell our children in Sunday school. Stories that we tell our children before they go to bed at night. These are stories about men and women in the Bible who, with great courage, express their faith in God as they live their life. There are stories about people who walked with God, and while all of the heroes of the Bible are flawed, while all of them make mistakes, these stories tell us about people who stepped out in faith, who took great risks for God, and in these stories over and over again, we find out, we see that when they took a risk for God, that is when God showed up. That is when he made himself known to them most clearly in their lives when they stepped out into danger, into risk, and they were to see, saw how God is faithful. These are the kinds of stories that we want our kids to hear. And so we tell them these stories over and over again in Sunday school and at bedtime. As they're growing up and as they have their whole lives in front of them, we try to fill their imaginations with these stories of men and women who walked in faith. Men and women who were strong and courageous. Men and women who walked with God and who were willing to take risks in order to see God receive glory in their lives. These are the stories that we want our kids to hear and to know. Because we hope that when they grow up, that they will be men and women of faith. Men and women who are strong and courageous. Men and women who know God, who walk with God, who know God's love for them, and who are willing to take risks in order to bring God glory in their life. 
But as we grow up, as we get older, it seems to me that we talk less and less about courage and risk in the church. The older we get, it seems to me, the less and less we talk about taking risks for God. At some point, it seems to me that the Christian life starts to become more about being safe and secure than it is about taking risks and being bold and being courageous. There seems to come a point when we start to believe that the Christian life is really about being nice and polite and safe and being a good citizen. At what point did we, at what point maybe did you, stop believing that the stories that you heard growing up, the stories that we want our children to know and to love and to have their imaginations filled with, at what point did we, at what point did you stop believing that those stories are for us? In some ways, even about us. When did these stories become children's stories? Well, friends, it's back to Sunday school for us. For the next four weeks, and I think perhaps off and on throughout the year, we're going back to Sunday school. We're going back to hear again some of these stories of God's people acting in faith, stories of God's people taking great risks for God. And there are really two reasons that that God has led me to preach on these stories over the next four weeks and possibly throughout the year. The first reason comes from some of the results of the church survey that we did back in October and November. And by the way, you are soon going to be receiving a report and the, the results of that survey. One of the most encouraging things for me in that survey was that many people in our church were able to articulate very clearly that they experienced God in very real ways in their life. This was very clear, not just because people you know, checked a box or circled something, but in the many stories that people were able to write about in that survey. God is real in your lives. You experience him, you know him in your life, and this is a great strength in our church. Many of us especially spoke about times in our life when we have experienced how God brought us peace in our life, experienced how God brought you comfort in a time of loss or when you were grieving, how you've experienced God in the kindness of a brother or sister in Christ who comforted you and and brought you maybe a meal uh, in a time of loss or in uh, a difficult time in your life. This is a great strength of our church. And in a year like our church had last year, when we said goodbye to so many of our brothers and sisters in Christ, this is a great strength of our church. That we can know that in times of trial, in times of grief, in times of pain, that in Christ we can find peace and comfort. This is a great strength of our church. One of the things that I have learned the most as I've been uh, a part of this church over the last eight or nine years is I've watched people turn to Christ in times of sorrow and watched people's faith grow deeper in times of trial. This is a great strength of our church. 
What we did not hear, however, in some of the many stories that you all chose to tell in those surveys, was stories about when you experienced God when you took a risk and saw God show up. A time when you may have been called by God, heard God's voice in some way, and then experienced God showing up as you acted faithfully in that. There were almost no stories in the survey that reflected this kind of experience with God. Of course, that does not mean that these stories do not exist. Of course they do in our congregation, but it simply wasn't one of the the dominant ways that you all, that Ebenezer, chose to speak about their experience with God. Which is interesting, I think, in light of the stories that we like to hear. In light of the stories that we like to tell, in light of the stories that we're so familiar with in Scripture, because nearly all of those biblical stories, these amazing stories that we hear in Sunday school, are stories when people heard from God and responded courageously and boldly and saw God show up in their life in a way that may have been unexpected, but in a way where God showed himself to be faithful. So it seems to me as if we, as God's people, should also have some similar stories in our life where we can say, I heard from God, I stepped out and took risk, and God proved himself to be faithful. So this is the first reason that I feel God is leading me for us to return to some of these stories and to remember again that these stories are for us. They are not children's stories. They are for us. The second reason is that as a church, as we are going through this process of of praying and and having a a vision and, and discerning what God's vision is for our congregation, we need to be reminded of these stories where God's people found out that God was powerful and faithful, when they took risks. Churches are typically very averse to risk and to danger. As organizations, churches are typically averse to risk. They like to play things safe. And as we're discerning together what's next for our congregation, we need to be reminded of the fact that whenever God speaks into people's lives, usually Usually, he calls them outside of their comfort zones and into places of danger. When God speaks in people's lives, it is usually to call them outside of those places where they are in control, where they can take the things that they have uh, out of their own power or the resources that they have and use them in whatever way they want. He calls them outside of that into places of danger and risk where they must learn to have faith and trust in God. And so we need to be reminded of these stories as we are praying about and as we are looking towards God's vision for our congregation to remember that part of that, if God is going to speak and if we are going to make decisions that have an eternal impact on our lives and in our neighborhood, we need to be reminded that God is going to call us into places of risk. We need to remember what Jesus said that whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. 
many organizations go through vision process, a, a, a way to cast a vision for their organization. And they usually do that for the purpose of making sure that they survive. If this vision process at Ebenezer is going to have an eternal impact in our lives and in our world, then this process cannot be figuring out how we can survive, how we can find our niche niche ministry, or how we can increase revenue so that we can stay alive as an organization. We are the church of God, the people of God filled with his spirit, And so through this vision process, we must be asking ourselves not how to save our life as a church. Because if we're asking that question, we will certainly lose our life. Instead, we must ask ourselves, how do we lose our life? How do we lose our life as a congregation for the sake of Christ? And it's going to be through discovering that answer that we will find true life as a church. This morning we're going to hear a story about a woman who acted courageously and gave up her life, and in giving up her life, she found true life. But before going into the story of Ruth, I want to remind you of our sermon last week and remind you where the source of our courage and boldness comes from. Last week, we looked at Paul's prayer for the Ephesians and Paul's prayer for us. At the very beginning of this prayer, what did we see that Paul does? As I kneel before the Father. He kneels in order to pray that the Ephesians would know deeply who they are in Christ, that they would know their identity in Christ, and so that they will be empowered to do what Christ has enabled them to do by his Spirit. For this reason... Paul kneels. If we're going to be a people who learn, who know what it is to lose our life for Christ, if we're going to be a people of faith and courage and boldness, we must learn to kneel. We must experience in our own individual lives the height and and width and depth of the love of Christ. We need to know our identity in him, to know that we are loved by him so that no matter what happens to us as individuals, no matter what danger we are willing to enter into, no matter what risk we take as a church, that we are truly and eternally safe in the power of the eternal love of God. He is the source. It is out of that relationship that we can be courageous and bold. And this courage will only be cultivated in us if we learn to kneel, to come to him and to cultivate this relationship with him. But let's return to this story of Ruth. The story of Ruth begins actually not with Ruth, but with her in-laws, Elimelech and Naomi. Listen to how this story begins. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. If you've closed your Bibles, I would encourage you to open them back up. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. We're going to be reading through this text some, so it would really be of benefit to you to open up your Bibles and to follow along. Ruth chapter 1, verse 1. This is the setting of the scene. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while 
in the country of Moab. So we learn, first of all, that this story comes in the time of the book of Judges. If you know anything about the book of Judges, it was not not always a good time in the history of Israel. Throughout the story of Judges, we hear this phrase, and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. The time of the people of Judges was a time often when Israel was not faithful and they experienced God's judgment and God would raise up a judge and they would overthrow their enemies and there would be a time of praise and faithfulness for a while and then people would do what is right in their own eyes. It's not a good time in the history of Israel. And second, we learn that there was a famine in Israel. There's no food in Bethlehem which is ironic because Bethlehem means house of bread. There's no bread in Bethlehem. And one man there named Elimelech believed that it was best for his family to move away from Israel, away from the people of God, and to move to this place called Moab in hopes that they would survive. Verse 2. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And the names of his two sons were Malon and Kilion. Now, Naomi and Elimelech, they have a tough life. They're living in the time of the book of Judges. Right now, they're living through a famine. They don't have much food. And they are people who are familiar with suffering. And this is very obvious because of what they name their sons, Malon and Kilion. Now, Isaac, you and Amber are about to have a son, right? And I encourage you not to name your children Malon and Kilion. Malon means sickness, and Kilion means death. This is what Elimelech and Naomi named their children, sickness and death. Can you imagine? I want you to introduce you to my son, pneumonia. I want you to introduce you to my son, Norwalk Virus. This is what they name their children, sickness and death. They are people in despair. And unfortunately, the story actually gets worse. Verses 3 through 5. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons, They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. And after they had lived there about ten years, both Malon and Kilion died. And Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. Elimelech, Malon, and Kilion all die. Elimelech had left the people of God in order to go to Moab in hopes to survive, and they lose their life. And so at the very beginning of this story, we're introduced to these three widows, two of them still very young, Ruth and Orpah, but they're all alone without any way to care for themselves. So not only do these women have to grieve the loss of their husbands, but their trouble really has only begun because their personal loss is now compounded by their social situation. Women in this day typically had no means to make any money, no way to make a living for themselves, no way to care for themselves. They were dependent upon the men in their family. And if there were no men in their family, they were left completely at the mercy of the community. 
And so Naomi is especially in trouble. Ruth and Orpah are both Moabites. They may have some hope if they stay in Moab. They may also find a husband who will be able to take care of them. But Naomi is a person without any hope at all. She is a foreigner in a strange country, and her husband and her two sons have died. She has no one to care for her, and there was no reason that the Moabites would care for her because she is a foreigner. She's too old to find another husband, too old to have children, which means that she has no one to care for her. So listen to her words of grief. Go back, each of you, verse 8, to your mother's home. May the Lord show kindness to you as you have shown your kindness to me. May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Verse 12, return home, my daughters. I am too old to have a husband. My daughters, it is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has gone out against me. Naomi is at this point a person without hope. She recognizes that it's unlikely that she will find a husband and certainly will not have any more children She even believes that God's hand is against her. This is a terrible beginning to any story. The first 13 or 14 verses are just filled with heartache in these people's lives. It's a story that has all the makings of a tragedy. But we find out in this story that God's hand is not against Naomi at all. Instead, God is going to use the kindness and the courage of Ruth to bring about blessing in her life. The story of Ruth is a story of God's amazing work that happened because Ruth was courageous and showed kindness to her mother-in-law, Naomi. Naomi, listen to what happens, verses 14 and 15. They wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, went back to Moab, but Ruth clung to her, Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. You go back with her. Naomi says to her daughter-in-law, Ruth, be reasonable. You're still young. You can still find a husband. There is still hope for you. You can still make it. Save your life. Orpah does. She goes back to Moab And she saves. She holds on to her life. She does the reasonable, the wise thing. And we never hear from her again. But Ruth doesn't do what is reasonable. Ruth loses her life for Naomi's sake and for the sake of Naomi's God. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people, and your God will be my God. Ruth, in the face of any rational reason, displays remarkable courage and kindness and faith in her kindness towards Naomi. When she does that, God shows up in her life 
and God makes himself real in her life. And by the end of this story, we see God's hand of blessing on Ruth and Naomi. God shows up in a very real way. We don't have time to tell the whole story of Ruth today, but the book of Ruth is a story that begins with a famine in Bethlehem and ends with a huge party. It begins with the death of Elimelech and Malon and Kilion and ends with the birth of Ruth's son. It begins with three widows and it ends with the wedding of Ruth and Boaz. It's a story that begins with Ruth, who's married for 10 years to Malon or Kilion, we don't know which, and was not able to conceive a son. But when she marries Boaz, the book of Ruth tells us, God's hand enabled her to conceive. She had been barren, and the Lord gave her a child. The story begins with a woman losing her two sons, and ends with Naomi holding her grandson. Ruth loses her life, and through losing it, she finds it. The easy, reasonable, ordinary thing to do would would be to follow Orpah back to Moab, but she remains with Naomi. It was an act of kindness. It was an act of great courage and faith on Ruth's part for the sake of Naomi, a woman who was without hope. Ruth commits herself to her and to her well-being despite what must be, what could have been great cost to herself. Ruth sacrificed her own self, her own life, in order to care for Naomi when it would have been easier to go back to her own people, to find a husband who could have certainly cared for her. Ruth sacrificed her own well-being for Naomi. Ruth's actions were not safe. They were not reasonable. They did not make any rational sense, but her actions are filled with courage and love. I've entitled this sermon today, Everyday Courage. And the reason is because there's, uh, there's really no reason that this story should even be in the Bible. Ruth and Naomi are literally nobodies in history. No one in the world knew or cared about Ruth and Naomi. No one saw the scene of of Ruth and Orpah and Naomi on the outskirts of some city in Moab, crying on one another's shoulders, and Orpah returning back, and Ruth clinging to Naomi and going with her. No one saw it happen. Ruth had no idea that her story would be told. Ruth simply, in a moment... Her life circumstances came to a place where she was called to be courageous and to act out of kindness and faith. No lights, no newspapers, no stories about it. Ruth wasn't trying to be a hero. She simply clung to Naomi and did what she believed was right. She lost her life. But we see in this story that because she lost her life, she found it. In our own lives, nearly every day, we are faced with decisions about how to use our lives, how to use our time, our energy, our resources. In courage and faith, we're called by Christ to give up our lives, 
to lose our lives so that we can find it. Every day, we encounter people who are in need of our care, our love, and our time. Are we too busy? Do we talk ourselves outside of caring for them because it's not reasonable? Or because it'd be too much work? Or because it really wouldn't make any sense? Or because we just don't want to be inconvenienced? It will not be every day in our lives where we'll have to face a giant with a sling and five stones. It won't be every day where it may be a threat that we're going to be thrown into a fiery furnace or into a den of lions. But every day, every day, there are times and moments and circumstances in our life where we have opportunity to lose our life for the sake of Christ who is before us in the face of a weak and needy person. The story of Ruth is about everyday courage. A simple story of a woman whose life circumstances brought her to this point and she chose to lose her life for the sake of someone else. One woman who chose to forego safety, who chose to forego what was reasonable, who chose to give up her life out of love for Naomi and out of love for Naomi's God. And when she did, God showed up. Whoever wants to save her life will lose it. Whoever loses her life for my sake will find it. In your life this week, in what ways is God calling you to lose your life for his sake? As you are praying about our church's life together, the vision that God has for us, do not pray that our church will survive. Do not pray that our church will find ways to get more people to come here. Do not pray that we will find ways to have more money to stick around a little bit longer. When you kneel, pray that God would show us as a church how to lose our life, and in this way, we will find it. Let's pray. God in heaven, we confess to you that we like to grab and hold on to our life. Lord, we do not like to walk outside of circumstances that make us feel uncomfortable and when we are out of control. But Lord, we pray that you would teach us by your spirit to lose our life that we may find it. Lord, for individuals who are here today who are uh, in times or in circumstances where they are pouring out their life for the sake of others and for your sake, Lord, encourage them in their work. Lord, pray that you would show them how they are gaining true life through that work. God, and I pray that you would give us eyes to see uh, each and every place where you are calling us as individuals and as a church to lose our life so that we can find true life in you. We ask these things in the name of your Son. Amen.